Hey guys, welcome back to the Allergic to Grace podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. We're so glad you joined in to listen today. If you enjoy our show and want to hear more, please be sure to give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to have you listen in to future episodes. Um, Before we jump into today's episode, we just want to have a small disclaimer. Please be advised that today's episode content may not be appropriate for all listeners. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about Genesis chapters 19 through 21, Um, But to pick up where we left off last week, let's quickly recap what we saw in Genesis chapter 16 through 18. So in the beginning of last week's episode, Sarah gives Hagar to Abraham to have as a a son through her, quote unquote, through her. Um, Tensions rise in the household after Hagar conceives. Um, Hagar then runs away and is visited by the angel of the Lord. She returns home and bears Abram a son and names him Ishmael. Um, Abram enters into the new covenant with God. God changes Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. Um, God promises the birth of Isaac twice, to which Sarah laughs at him because she and Abraham are so old and crusty. (laughs) But, you know, God reminds her, is anything too hard for the Lord? Um, And then God tells Abraham of his plans for Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham intercedes for the people. So at the end of chapter 18, Abraham has dwindled his request to God from 50 righteous people to 10. Um, And God promises that if he can find 10 righteous people, he will spare the entire cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. So that leads us into chapter 19, which opens with Lot just sitting at the gate of Sodom, and two angels are approaching him. So Lot, sitting at the gate, sees these angels approaching. He knows, you know, that there are foreigners in the land. They're not, you know, normally there. And, you know, he greets them and asks them to stay with him. Because, I mean, realistically, at this point, Lot is residing in Sodom and he knows the ways that the people live and how dangerous the city is. He says, Mm -hmm. please, you know, come stay with me. Angels say, no, we're good, bro. We're just going to go stay in the city square. It'll be fine. He says, no, 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 no. I insist. Mm -hmm. So they agree. um, And they go to Lot's house in there again, he prepares a feast for them. Yeah. Um, much like as we saw in the last episode and in the previous chapters, Abraham preparing a feast for yeah. God and, and the two angels. Yeah. And kind of going back to the beginning of the chapter where it's, you know, just two angels, you know, in chapter 18, three angels, actually it was the Lord and two angels approached Abraham Um, And now we only see those two angels approaching Sodom. So it's kind of like God had just reascended into heaven to rain down his judgment. And the two angels were there kind of going back to that idea of maybe these three people were the Trinity that, you know, only God can judge the people. So if they were the Trinity, that would make sense because only God God can can judge judge the people. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Even though he doesn't have to physically come down and do that, but like, yeah, absolutely. I was just triggered my brain. Yes. Um, so, yeah. 
It makes sense. Yeah. And the fact that Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. My Bible says that it was significant that he was sitting at the gate, Mm -hmm. meaning that he held some sort of stature within the city. Yeah. Um, And I just went through this whole down spiral of, well, was Lot really the same as everybody else in Sodom? Like, yes, he did intercede for the angels on, you know, his own behalf or whatever but like they were just gonna pass him by exactly and i kind of wanted to make a point about that about lot mirroring abraham Mm -hmm. so in the fact that lot is insisting that these men that he does not know stay with him and is concerned for their safety because he knows how the people of the city are yeah he then prepares a feast the same way that Abraham did for God and the two angels. This shows, because he did this, that he is righteous. While, you know, he is living in the city and I'm sure was participating in, you know, to some extent, whatever was going on there, he still ultimately had Christ, had, you know, God on his heart. Yeah. So, you know, he has him there. They're preparing the feast, and all of a sudden, and we can go back if we need to. Sure. It says every single person, all the men, are at Lot's front door Mm. because he knows they know that these two angels are there. They're, you know, beating on his door saying, Hey, give us those two men so that we can know them disgusting now this is kind of part of the reason you know we put the disclaimer um no as in they want to rape have sexual relations with them and we know this because the hebrew word for to know yada will sometimes denote sexual intercourse Mm -hmm. and we've seen this a few times you know like back in the beginning of genesis after Adam and eve were kicked out of the garden even Words are hard. After Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, um, Adam knew his wife. Yes. And she bore him a son. So, And isn't that kind of like what makes them their wife? Like they know them. Yeah. That, that was like the ritual or yeah. whatever to become yeah. a wife. Yeah. But um, I just want to point out that the entire city, to, to all the people to the last man... So that it shows. <laughs> Why am I stuttering? So it shows that all of the people were wicked, basically, like yeah. you said. Yeah. But the fact that all of the men and all of the people of the city came and like were banging on Lot's door, like saying, "Give us these men that have come into our city," because they wanted to rape them, basically. Like, why does their entire society just accept that as normal? I I I guess. <laughs> because they've fallen so far from God and you figure, I mean, I don't know the history, how long those cities have been there, but you figure dysfunction breeds dysfunction. So if you're raising children to think that that is normal and that's just how you live your life. And then those children eventually become adults and they have children. It's just an endless cycle. And I kind of also, you said, you know, about every single person beating down, you know, Lot's door is I just thought it was interesting and it made me think like God had said, you know, 
in the previous chapter, chapter 18, he was going to go see if the wickedness and sin was as bad as the outcry was. Mm-hmm. Well, there they were proving his, proving that they Proof were his to point. his face. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like there was no way, not that anybody did, but there was no way anybody was going to be able to deny it. Yeah. They were proud about it. They were proud. They built their tower, tower of pride. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So all of the city of Sodom is just banging on their door um, to get these men to come out and basically so they could gang rape them. And Locke goes out of his house to speak to the people, literally trying to be like, look, guys, this is wrong. Calm down. Like, we can't do this. De-escalate the situation. Yep. And then they go and they say, well, who are you? Like, this person who is just some visitor of our city is now become this judge who can judge us based on our actions. Well, we're going to do we're going to do worse with you than we would with them. And then at that point, they were pushing Lot back into his door, trying to get through and probably hurting him in some way. And it took literally the power of angels to pull him back in. Yeah. Now, let's go back to when Lot was out there trying to de-escalate the situation with the people of the city. Yeah. This man offered up his two daughters who have never known a man in place of the two angels now kind of like yes we'll get to the whole i can't believe that he did that but i think (laughs) it also shows that lot knew to some extent that these were supernatural beings that they were angels because Mm -hmm. he was going to give his own daughters to protect them i think it just shows how highly he thought of them i'm not making excuses for him at all whatsoever because that was wrong yeah but no my bible says a good thing about this it says as one bounded by the ancient near eastern code of hospitality which required the protection of guests lot is willing to risk danger to his own family than allow harm to come to his guests exactly so whether or not he knew that they were angels i don't know as much as it was custom and of the visitors of Mm -hmm. his city that he protect them yeah so i would like to think he knew that they were angels but also in him being like wait what you're gonna destroy everything um Mm. what (laughs) you know Mm. yeah um but yes no he offered up his daughters who didn't know any man basically they were virgins and Mm -hmm. they were he was just like here you can have them instead yeah what (laughs) well and of course then they refused them Thank goodness. Um, And, you know, at this point, they're getting violent. They're, like you said, shoving Lot back up against the door. I'm sure not not touching him. They're probably being rough. Yeah. And it takes, you know, the angels intervening to step in and and kind of pull him out of that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And chapter 19, verse 9 says, but they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. I think it's hilarious that he they're standing there telling Lot that he's now a judge in their land when really God has come to rain down his judgment on everything that yeah, they stand for. It's definitely ironic. <laughs> <laughs> and Lot's going to be the only one that lives. Like, like, you have no idea. Yeah. But Lot didn't have any idea at that point. No, not at all. Not it's just yet. ironic. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, the angels... Made everybody blind? Yeah, they strike all the men blind. And they're still trying to get in the door. Yeah. like that. They're trying to get in the door to the point that they exhaust themselves. Yep. And then the angels, after they strike them blind, they're like, listen, you got to go. Yep. Get your family. You got to get out. So hearing that, you know, Lot starts telling his family, yo, we got to go. His future sons-in-laws, his daughters, his wife, all of them. Yeah. It's chapter 19, verse 12. Um, The angel said to Lot, have you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So the angels tell him, hey, we're going to destroy this entire city. Get your relatives, get your friends, your family, anybody you want to save with you, and leave. And go. You gotta go. So... Technically, Lot was the only righteous person in Sodom. Yeah. Yeah. And And they extended the favor of saving to the unrighteous. That were close to him, extending God's mercy to all of them, despite the fact that he was the only righteous person there, which is why the whole city, well, not why, but the deal was I'll save the entire city if there are 10 righteous people, but there was... Just un. He was like, whether righteous or unrighteous, they might be saved with him. And then I saw this note. It said, bad people often fare the better in this world for the sake of their good relations. Mm -hmm. So it's good to be kin to a godly man. Yep. Exactly. Even though his future son-in-laws didn't freaking believe him and thought he was going crazy. They all, yeah, nobody. Well, I mean, first of all, Lot kind of lingered. Yeah. And, but, and I think that shows his, like, immaturity in his faith. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Abraham had those same... Absolutely. Things. I mean, I would like to think that I would just go. But at the same time, would I, like, realistically? You know? Yeah. Um. But anyway, when he does tell them, you know, we gotta go, they're like... They think he's joking. Yep. They do not take him seriously. The sons-in-law. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and keep in mind, too, what they're being told. They're being told, we got to go. You got to leave behind, essentially, your entire life. Yeah, everything. Friends, family. They probably had siblings, they neighbors. They had 12 hours to get out. Stuff. That. Yeah, yeah. All of your things. Yeah. Yep. So. And then, so, I guess the angels told him that in the night. And then in the morning, they were like, all right, guy, like, wake it's up, time. let's go, it's time, get ding, your ding, wife, ding. get your two daughters who are here, which right. makes me think that he had other daughters that were in the city that... Maybe were already married. To probably ungodly men. Y- yeah. Who and probably perished with them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm. It's very possible. So, but he lingered, like you said. So the angel seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. And the Lord being merciful to him, they brought him out and set him outside the city. Yeah. So they had to physically remove them from this situation in order to save them. And I think this too shows God also keeping his word to Abraham. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, he did not have to physically remove them from the city. He could have been like, yeah, sorry, Abraham. 
Lot wouldn't go, so... Actually, did God ever promise to save Lot? No, but he said that if there were 10 righteous people, and there weren't, and God knows everything, so he knew what Abraham wanted. That's what kind which of Which is like, why he pulled, yeah. which if you ask me, in my opinion, which is why he saved Lot. Yeah, which kind of brings me back to my, my original rabbit hole of thought. When I started reading the beginning of chapter 19, I was like, these angels were about to just pass him by. And... Like, would he, he have been considered as part of the wickedness of Sodom, you know? And did God save him because of his relationship with Abraham or because he was a righteous man? I think, honestly, probably it's probably both, a little both. Like, yeah. And maybe the fact that the angels were just going to pass him by and at first they were like, nah, we're good. Maybe that was also a test, too. could have been. You know? Yeah, because Lot could have been like, fine then. Do what you want. Yeah. But he was very persistent and insistent on the fact that they stay with him. Yeah. So we see Lotness and his wife and his two daughters being physically removed from the city. And they're like, you got to go. Go take cover in the hills. Yes. Yeah, as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. Now, this I just wanna, bothers me. <laughs> I just want to say something. So, and again, this comes from the... A, a lecture series or a teacher series teaching series from rc Sproul that i recently listened to about angels and demons they talk about or he talks about the hierarchy of angels and in their jobs and things and from what i remember and what i understand the highest job that you can have is to be the messenger of god mm -hmm. so when an angel says something a messenger angel says something like you know Gabriel, um, Michael, that because they're carrying the message of God, what they say is the word of God. Yeah. So essentially, it's not God speaking directly to them, but it's God speaking through them. Yeah. So he's, they say, like you said, you know, there in 17, as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere. In the valley. In the valley. So they bring him out and tell him to escape to a mountain that's nearby. Yeah. Basically. Go so in he the hills. Be swept away by what was about to happen. Yeah. And <laughs> instead of being like, yes, thank you so much for saving my life. He's just like, actually, that's kind of far. Uh, yeah. Um, can I go somewhere closer? Maybe a city instead? Like, the first thing he does is complain, which I think yet again shows his immaturity and his faith. Yeah, exactly. And what is God's or the angel's reaction? He Mercy. Yeah. yeah, they agree. They agree. They're like, fine, go to Zoar, but go there right now. Don't look back. Get there. Yep. And Zoar was spared to gratify Lot. Like, honestly, I think it was part of the, the valley. Yeah, so Sodom it would have been swept been away, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the angels say, fine. In verse 22, escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. Yeah. And if we are paralleling like what happened with Abraham and him interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah versus the city that Lot is going to, that he technically intervened for Zoar. Yeah. Abraham did it, you know, out of 
selfishness concern. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, out of concern for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, knowing that his nephew was there, yes, but also I feel like he didn't want it was a everybody lot of people. to die. There were cities. Yeah. But then, you know, Lot did it out of his own self-interest. He was just like, you're saving me, but I don't want to go to this place. Let me go to this city. Yeah. Instead of being like, actually, you know, there's good people here. Let's not destroy this city. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, God grants him his request, even though he didn't have to, just to show how much fervent prayer of a righteous man avails. So, so then Sodom's ruin was suspended until Lot was safe in Zoar. Yeah. Because he says, what does he say? On a two-hour delay. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what does he say? It says, um, I can do nothing until you arrive there. Yeah. Escape quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there, which is 1922. Yep. So then he arrives there, and and thus the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah began. Proceeded, yeah. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. So... The next couple of verses, when it talks about the Lord raining down sulfur and fire from heaven, and he overthrew the cities and all the inhabitants and everything that grew in the ground, it, it was just showing that like it was like a normal day. The sun was rising. Yeah. It was clear skies, yes. just to show that it wasn't some random like act of nature that was doing this it was like this is a perfect day actually god's like you know what no it's not a perfect day rah you know yeah um so everything about the destruction of sodom and gomorrah comes from god it's divine divine, divine judgment divine judgment and i like the point that you made you know earlier that it was just the two angels because God had ascended back into heaven so that he, he could, could rain, rain down. down the divine judgment. Yep. You know? Yep. So, so there's a couple of points um, from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah I wanted to point out. So the first one was that God was the immediate author of it. Yes. Like it was 1000% clear that it came from God. Absolutely. Two, it was strange. It was a strange punishment. It wasn't like he had just flooded the entire earth. It wasn't like he destroyed everybody. It was just this one area and it was with fire and sulfur. Like it was very strange. Um, it was a judgment that laid all to waste. So like even today, that area, there's, it's ungrowable. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one was it was a punishment that answered to their sin. So it was like depths of basically hell was raining down on yeah, them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. And so I kind of want to talk about that whole raining fire yes, thing. Please, so let's do it. I kind of, as you would say, fell into a rabbit hole. Uh, and I came across now this is all information from godanswers.org. Um, and they kind of go over, first of all, some archaeological evidence that they believe they found the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because for the longest time, yes, no, nobody could find it. Yep. Well, I wonder why. Okay. Anyway, so they think they found evidence of it. Um, and what they found, they found houses completely blown off of their foundations. Nice. They found, um, basically glass that had gotten so hot that it bubbled up and turned into lava. They found evidence of pottery that got heated to the point that it became glass. And again, you know, like scorched, um, 
bricks and stones and that kind of thing. And Didn't so they find sulfur balls. I think I saw something like a separate video where some of their they did have find sulfur balls, which I'll talk about yeah. here in a minute. So they were like, okay, well, what could have happened that caused this? Now, biblically, we know what happened, mm-hmm. but kind of like, you know, the flood and things, they wanted to know how it happened. Yep. So they compared it to potentially something similar that happened quite some time ago, somewhere in Russia. Basically, it was a meteorite was broke through the atmosphere and was mm-hmm. coming straight for this area in Russia. And what had happened was when it hit, I don't know, some type of atmospheric barrier, it broke apart Mm -hmm. into this giant airburst and basically became raining fire. Yeah. And it, the, the, the force of the airburst caused the meteorite to explode into all these different fiery flaming ball pieces Mm -hmm. And it rained down, and in the area that it had happened, they believe that it exploded about 10 kilometers above the ground. So that would have been the energy. Now, this is what they said. The energy released by the airburst was estimated to be about 20 megatons of TNT (laughs) at an altitude of 10 kilometers. Trees were scorched all around the area but the only place where things actually caught fire and burned was at ground zero where all this came straight down mm-hmm. which would explain why you know in Sodom and Gomorrah where a certain how did it not hit Zoar yeah you know so that just shows that and now they believe we talk about you know 20 megatons of TNT exploding 10 kilometers kil- kilometers above the ground right uh they believe that this airburst or raining fire exploded one kilometer above the ground for sodom and gomorrah which would explain why all these houses were blown off their foundations how hot it was in those particular areas Mm -hmm. and you know where all these tiny flaming balls came from Mm -hmm. interesting i just thought that was super interesting you know that there's scientific evidence that stuff like this did happen yeah you know so i mean i think it's interesting that they can find it it happened somewhere else sort of but not to the same degree exactly exactly and two i guess i kind of wanted to make the parallel also that while this is a a different type of destruction, it is still a destruction where wickedness yeah. was receiving a just punishment, yeah. much like when did we already talk about this? Earlier with the flood. So yeah, I just thought that was... And then, I mean, there was no destruction with the Tower of Babel, but there was just judgment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. But the fifth point about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, I wanted to say, was it was designed for a standing revelation to the wrath of God against sin and sinners of all ages. Yeah. Like, we still talk about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah today, Yeah, obviously. And then it was even referenced by Jesus himself in the New Testament yeah. during his time. So, like, it stood 
specifically Lot's wife also stood as an example of what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't obey God, if you really fell that far from grace. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you brought up Lot's wife. I think that's a good segue into <laughs> talking about her because I know we have a lot to say about her and her situation. Yeah. So basically what happened was is the angel of God, which brings me back to the point of why I had said about, you know, the angels being the messengers of God, essentially being the mouth of God, because God, God said, don't look back. Yep. Don't do it. Yep. And what did she do? She looked back. She turned back. And so what happened to her? (laughs) She turned into a pillar of salt. Yes. And reading through this, it kind of reminded me about the Bible study class we had a couple weeks ago, where we were listening to a lecture about on R.C. Sproul when he was talking about the Ark of the Covenant and how they were transporting it in in like some ox cart or something. And what was his name? Do you remember his name? Oh, something with a U. Uzzah? 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 Something like that. That sounds right. Something like that. Well, he saw that the Ark was about to fall and he went to catch it instead of letting it fall in in the mud and he immediately died. And like my first thought when hearing that story, because I had not... I'd never heard of it. That was not a story that stuck out in my mind. No. So my first thought was, oh my goodness, he was trying to save it from the dirt. And a lot of people could think about that in Lot's situation or in Lot's wife's situation that, well, she was just looking back on her whole life she'd spent in Sodom. Exactly. Exactly. Why did she because, die on the spot? Right. Because initially when I first read this, I'm like, like you said, she may have been from that city. She yeah. probably had family there, siblings like you said, the potential for other daughters, her entire life, her home, her possessions. We knew Abraham and Lot were wealthy. So all of the wealth that they had accumulated because they did, I don't, I'm pretty sure they didn't take anything with them. I don't think they could. So in verse 26, it says, but Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now, I know we kind of talked about this as to, you know, Whitney, why do you like that verse? That seems so <laughs> random. And it does. So. How to wait. Yeah. I wonder how long it took Lot to realize that his wife was no longer behind him. Because she was behind him. Yeah. She turned around and looked, and he had to keep going. Like, I wonder if it wasn't until he like got he, to Zoar that he was maybe, like, oh, my gosh, like, maybe, where is she? Like, where? <laughs> anyway, continue. Oh, Sorry. yeah. I never even thought yeah, of that. because she That's was behind crazy. him. And you don't hear anything about him saying that he, he was upset. No. You know? I mean, like, he got drunk and but was sulking afterwards, but. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Why is this your favorite verse? So I like this verse just because it's a reminder of salvation, mm-hmm. you know? So Lot's wife, she doesn't listen. The Hebrew word that is used doesn't mean to just look over your shoulder. It, she didn't just glance back mm-hmm. or didn't just look back. It means to long for, mm-hmm. to want so when she looked back she was looking back because she didn't want to go to zoar she didn't want to leave the city which you know we talked about okay well maybe she didn't number one god said don't look back and number two what has to happen in order for you to be saved now 
You have to die to yourself yep. to be reborn and to start over. So she had to give all that up so that she could start over righteously with God yep. somewhere else. And, you know, and he was giving her that. And she still looked back and longed for that wicked earthly life that she was living. She gave she gave way more concern to Sodom than was fit. Exactly. Their day of grace was over and divine justice was glorifying itself in their ruin. Yeah. So like she, like you said, she looked back, she longed for it, and that in itself is an inexcusable sin. Not just because you went against the direct word of God, but because you long for something that was no longer serving you and you should exactly not be a part of it. Anymore. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I just like that verse because it's just a reminder to me, yeah. you know, of salvation and the fact that God will save us, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, and I kind of too, and we can go back if I no, go ahead. skipped anything. Um, the pillar of salt. So, when I think about this, I have a difficult time picturing it, which I guess is not really the point. Like, <laughs> Whitney, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But er, so I, of course, fell into a rabbit hole. And some people say pillar of salt. Yes, a literal thing. Other people say ashes, that she mm-hmm. became ashes because of the raining fire and her looking back showed that she longed for and was a part of the city. So she was part of the destruction and also, you know, went down with that. And I just think it's interesting too, that now she became a pillar of salt. No longer she ceased to exist on this earth but she was taken out i hate to say that sounded so bad she was taken out she was but she was lost while she was looking back and so now to this day she would be looking back at the dead sea area where like you said even to this day there's nothing nothing can grow there no type of life can be supported there and she was lost with it yeah. I personally think she was like instantaneous body of salt just standing there. Yeah, that's what I think of. Definitely. Um because it was like a monument. She she didn't waste away or decay and you know, she just stood there perpetually as a sign. Yeah. And you know, you saying that reminded me of something else I had in my notes here that the Hebrew word for pillar that was used mm-hmm basically means permanence to stand guard over to watch over or to be where she is forever yep again looking back on that life that she wouldn't give up that wicked life and is considered you know forever looking back on the death yeah and i think this also has like a greater life lesson in it that it does not do well to dwell on the past. No. We shouldn't look to the past. Exactly. We press forward to the exactly. future. So. Exactly. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Jesus himself in Luke references wife, wife, <laughs> <laughs> references Lot's wife <laughs> as like a symbol for don't look back like at all. Yeah. So. It's good. 
Anyway, that kind of ends chapter 19, does it not? No, it doesn't. No, Never it mind. doesn't. No, it doesn't. I Just don't. Can, she was <sighs> testing me and I passed. I don't like this part. So this part's pretty... Uh, I didn't make any notes on it. That's graphic. how much I don't like it. I just have... Okay, so basically what happens... Lot and his daughters, they escape to Zoar, yep. and eventually they end up living in the hills because Lot is afraid that, you know, because of the punishment that was rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah, he was scared and didn't want anything to happen to him and his family or he the family that had left. Yeah. So basically they were cave people. well they were i mean technically they lived in a cave he was just scared to go to the city of zoar i mean i would be yeah Mm -hmm. even though god promised to spare the city for me yeah um, i would still be scared to go there absolutely but anyway um so in a cave with his two daughters yes and we remember how important it was for a woman to, to bear offspring, yeah. to have children, to carry on their name, their family's name. Yeah. And well, I think a lot of people also be like, well, Lot wasn't a very good father because he didn't secure husbands for his daughters. When in actuality, they were courting and they were probably he engaged did. to a certain extent, but they wouldn't listen to him. And exactly. Come. They were. They were. He said his his daughter in the in the in in nineteenth towards the beginning of the chapter, he says his daughter's husbands, his sons in laws. So they were likely going to be getting married very soon. Yeah. But like he said, they wouldn't listen to him. Yeah. They thought he was joking. Yeah. So it kind of pushes his daughters in the need to have children and the need to carry on their family um, to do something disgusting and rash. Yeah. So basically, the two of them connive together and they come up with this plan like, okay, we're never going to have kids. Our family name's going to die. We need to fix this since we live in this cave in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with nobody else. We're going to let's sleep with our dad. So they get him drunk. One of the daughters sleeps with him, lies with him. And then he I don't know. know. No, he did not know that it was daughter. That's how intoxicated he was. First of all, I if they hope. live in the cave, where'd they get the alcohol? Look, that's a great question. I mean, they probably had to have supply. They had to eat and stuff. So maybe they did like trading or something. I don't know. Anyway, so they got him drunk enough. Like he's blackout drunk, has no idea what's happening, sleeps with his daughter. I mean, never mind. Yes. Second, I don't know if it's another night, if it's later on. They get him drunk, you know, that drunk again, and he sleeps with his other daughter, and they both end up pregnant. And, you know, they have their children. Um, the firstborn bore a son and called him Moab. He is the father of Moabites to this day. The young girl also bore a son and called his name Benami. I would say Benami. Benami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. Now, I just want to say something about Lot and the fact that not only was he living in Sodom, knowing that it was a sinful, wicked city, his daughter sleeping with him, him sleeping with his daughters. I mean, he so didn't know that. Anyway, go, go God on. doesn't hold anything back from us. He wants us, especially too, I think in the Old Testament, he could have withheld those details about the men, these people in the Bible. He could oh, yeah. have held back the fact that 
he slept with his daughters. He could have held back the fact that Abraham, the father of all natures, lied. Twice. Yeah. And that he didn't have faith with him in him and had a a son essentially out of wedlock with another woman. And I think that God wants us to see that there are that people, number one, are sinful, but you can be redeemed. Well, we're and also, we're also going to see this in a second, too. But most of God's favorite people are the ones that are the laughing stock. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're the imperfect The ones people. at the end of the line. Absolutely. Yeah. And he wants us to see it, wants us to see it, you know, number one, yes, so that it can be a lesson. Um, but also, too, we can see you know, what not to do. Okay, well, Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt. And like you said, that was a a point that even Jesus had used to stress Mm -hmm. something that he was teaching. Obey God, obedience, you know? Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to make that, not that I was making excuses or saying that it was okay for Lot to sleep with his daughters, because you're right, he did not know. However, he did drink to the point of intoxication willingly also so yeah do you know anything about the mo the mobites or the no, animites i don't do my you? bible says a little bit about it um it's the bitter animosity of moab and amnon against israel so the mobites and the Ammonites were rejected by god not because of their questionable lineage but because they mistreated israel ruth an ancestor of jesus christ was a mobitus but she was eventually counted in the tribe of Judah through her faith and her redemptive marriage to Boaz. Yeah. She gave birth to... Oh, my goodness. What was his name? It's okay. I just thought it was kind of like... Oh, my goodness. Funny how much like the um, sons of... Oh, my gosh. Canaan? Cain? Cain? No. No. Noah's... Ham? Yes. The sons of Ham were cursed, you know, yeah. most dreaded enemies of Israel. These people were also kind of in that bowl of yeah. people. Well, they weren't. We already know that God's chosen people are from Abraham. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's Lot who he picked. Abraham. That's who he picked. Yep. So did he have mercy and did he? does he love them or did he love them? Obviously. Yep. Hello. He still made them a great a, a nation. True, yeah. Gave people. them people mm-hmm. like... He saved anyway. Continue. So, so, the end of chapter 19, Lot and his two daughters have all slept together and now they have children by him. Um, and we're moving on from that, going yeah. back to Abraham. Yeah. Flashing so, to Abraham. Yep. Abraham, in the beginning of chapter 20, is on the move again. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. With this games and Look, pretending. I'm telling you. I'm telling and- you. So, he settles down in the land of Grier. Is that how you would say that? Uh, yeah, Greer, sure. Greer, Greer, yeah, whatever. whatever. Um, and the king here, Abelmech, Abelmelech, King Abe. Yes, Abe. We're gonna call him Abe. King Abe. King Abe. Um, was the king there? And here we go again with the similar situation that happened in Egypt. He comes in to Greer as a visitor, and he says, you know, to Sarah, to this King Abe that she's his sister and so king abe took sarah to be his wife right yeah and he did make her his wife he did whereas like i think previously pharaoh had just taken her with the intentions yep. 
But this time it really happened. And here's what I want to know. When this is happening, what is Abraham doing? Like, where is he staying? Like, you're just fine with your wife being off, whatever, because I'm now thinking what you're thinking. Yes. I've officially decided (laughs) that that's what's happening here. That Abraham is absolutely taking advantage of God's mercy and the fact that he has said, you're the chosen one, basically. Well, okay, so... He's sojourning in the land, so he's taken all of his belongings, all of his things, all of his, you know, family, his household, his servants, his animals. Like, he's taken all of his stuff where he was and is now sojourning in the land of Greer. So he has all of his things, and he's just kind of set up camp in the area. And he just doesn't care that his wife, who is supposed to bear him... No. The Okay. No, because from the beginning, when God first called him out... Um, to sojourn in the land with his wife, Sarah and Abraham have come to an agreement, wherever I go, you are my sister. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. It continued on. But like at the same time, you don't have to do that. No. So it makes me think that, okay, Abraham knows that the promised land, the promised people are all going to come through him, his line, that Sarah, his wife, is going to bear him. That God son. has made very clear, very clear. to him twice twice in the last chapters that we did so it makes me think that yes he's doing this on purpose because he knows god is going to rain down his judgment basically on whoever dishonors abraham and then they're going to have to rectify the situation and he's going to end up with a prophet yep even though yes he was a righteous man yes we consider him a prophet but but that doesn't mean that everybody sins Everybody sins. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody sins. So it's and, not and you can be forgiven for your sins. He so, obviously was. You know, anybody can be. Yep. You know? So no, I'm yes. not making excuses for that, but I'm just saying that, like, God Say, will forgive you. Yeah. And this is very clear evidence of it because God could have been like, you know what, Abraham? This is the second time you've done this. No. Sorry. No more children for you. It's going to be somebody else. You failed to put your faith and your trust in me. I'm picking somebody different. But like next, this is is so crucial because Sarah is so close to the point of conception for Isaac. Yeah, that the the father of Isaac comes into question yes. here. Yeah. So the king Abe takes Sarah to be his wife, and God comes to him in a dream that night and basically says, "You're a dead man because you've taken another man's wife." Um, and the exact verse says, behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken for she is a man's wife. Now, Abe, King Abe, um, had not approached her. So he hadn't slept with her yet, basically. Mm -hmm. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister and herself say he is my brother in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands. I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Yeah. So I I do really like this I verse as verse. well. I do really, really like it. Uh, because we see him here, uh, as we all do on our knees, begging for mercy. Like, I'm so sorry. I, I truthfully didn't know. I think about it from know, Abe's perspective. Like, I would be scared. Terrified afraid because god is telling me you're You're done you're dead dead. sorry and knowing that he did nothing wrong like he was like i didn't know like 
oh my gosh like i didn't know please yeah. like please please yeah but yeah so and then i think this too shows that god hears us yeah he says i hear you i know that you need to know that i prevented you from sinning against me because i could have just let you go and i could have killed you but he has mercy on him he, he says does. give her back yep he was like now then return to the man return the man's wife for he is a prophet that you he will pray for you and you shall live but if you do not return her know that you shall surely die and you and who will all are yours. Who you are yours yes so yet again one point we see free will here god is telling you hey return the man's wife or you're dead yeah and or he makes our choice yeah makes her or, choice yeah and I think it's interesting, too, we see that phrase, Prophet. you shall surely die, oh, also. Yes. That we saw Flashback when? To Eden. Yeah. In the mm. beginning. The very beginning. <laughs> Pun in the <laughs> beginning. But anyways, yes, prophets. The first time we're seeing that word as well. Yes. God is declaring Abraham to be a prophet at this point. It came straight from his lips. Yes. Um. So God protects the purity of Sarah in this imperative time yeah um because king ape hasn't approached her yet and god kept him from approaching her yes um which would bring into question the father of isaac Absolutely. so as soon as king abe wakes up packs her up packs up some other stuff and basically says to abraham listen bro you didn't tell me she was your wife. Why'd you do this? Like, why did you do that? What have I done to you to make exactly. you do this, to bring exactly. this on my house? Like, what? Because at this point, also, nobody else in his house is able to get pregnant either. No. Their God wombs are the barren. Wombs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Abraham's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't think you were a godly people. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. His excuse is laughable. Like, it is so just like, well, I, I didn't see the fear of God in these people. Um, He's making excuses for himself. Yeah. Why he basically didn't have faith in God. Yeah. They will kill me because of my wife. And they're, it's crap. Like, it's all crap. <laughs> you can do I, better, Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I would have to, look, now I'm curious, like, was that just the thing that if a king wanted somebody's wife, they just. Yeah. I mean, well, it was a thing. David. It was a thing. So, but not that I'm not excusing him at all no. whatsoever. So then what I think is interesting then is that King Abe, you know, gives Abraham his wife back, back mm-hmm. and a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And I think part of the reason, yes, you know, to keep the peace or whatever. But I think part of the reason that he was being so generous to Abraham was to prove him wrong. Was to prove him that despite the fact that I could kill you now anyway because you lied to me, you made me look like a fool, God was going to kill me, he's made every person in my house unable to bear children, he could have killed Abraham and all and his people mm-hmm. very easily, but instead he, like God showed him mercy, shows Abraham mercy, gives him all of this stuff, and it just shows and proves Abraham wrong Yeah, that they are... That they do have the fear of God, obviously. Yeah. My Bible says an interesting thing. It says, Abe gives gifts to Abraham to honor God and their special relationship to him, not to compensate for his guilt. It says, God not only delivers his chosen servants out of dreadful peril, but rewards them with unexpected riches. Question mark. 
Um, Sarah's public vindication rules out the possibility that yeah. Abe might be the father of the soon to be exactly. born Isaac. Because he makes it, the king makes it very, very clear very that he clear. did not touch her. Yeah. Like it. Very clear. Nope. No touchy. So. <laughs> yes. So then after all that drama. Seriously. Finally, we get to the birth of, of the promised child. Well, you know, it, he said it right. King Abe said it right, set the scores right, gave Abraham all this crap, gave him silver and and vindicated publicly Sarah. Yeah. Right? And then Abraham prayed to God for him, and that is when God took the curse off of his house, opened the wombs of the people there. Like, then and only then did he do that. Because then he said, in the beginning, he said... Return the man to him to his wife, or return her to his wife, and he will pray for you. In verse seven, now then return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so he will pray for you, and you shall live. Ah, yes. So if Abram hadn't hadn't prayed for him and asked God to forgive him, anyway, his him and his house were healed. They were able to bear children. He opened up the wombs. Now, now we're into the birth of the Isaac. birth of the of, of the promised child chapter 21 here comes isaac yes the lord visited sarah as he had said and the lord said to sarah as he had prom oh the lord did to sarah as he had promised and sarah conceived and bore abraham a son in his old age at the time of which god had spoken to him and then he's born and his name is called isaac yes and here we go with this whole laughing thing again. I find it funny. That Abraham laughed when God said he would have a child or yep. have a son. Sarah laughed when God said that she would have a son. And now Sarah's laughing because she did give birth to a son from a crusty old age. A crusty old age. And the laughter she has in verse 6 is joyful laughter. Yeah, it's not. No, but. Yes. But here we go. And didn't it say somewhere that Isaac's name means to laugh? Yes. His name means laughter. <laughs> Is that why you meant that face? Because yes. I said it. <laughs> Thank you for stealing my thunder. Get on my head. <laughs> yes. Isaac's name in Hebrew means laughter. So I think it's, if you look at verse six, it says, and Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have Abraham that Sarah, or who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his whole age. So if you replace laughter, God has made her Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody will be joyful and, you know, marvel in God's great yeah supernatural exactly. power exactly so and it's also kind of like laughter is contagious you know yeah i like that yes so, so then uh isaac's growing up his dad's throwing him a giant banquet when he is finally weaned um do you remember what the pastor said a couple weekends ago about coming to faith and maturity and how we are weaned from christ and becoming like more disciples. Yes. It's similar to that. Yeah. Like when you're in unbelief to belief, you're kind of nursing. Yeah. And then when you move to like yes. solid foods, you're like going yes. into maturity. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. So the banquet that they're having here is probably around the time of when Isaac is like four or five years old. Yes. Because he's been weaned from milk to solid food. Yeah. Because now he can eat 
actual yeah. food food in here but it's also showing that he's growing in christ or growing in god as yes well. yeah so here we see some more drama i just think sarah has always had like a sour spot in her heart for Abraham, not Abraham, Ishmael, Ishmael and Hagar. I mean, I have to say that if I, my husband were to have a child with another woman while we were still married, despite the fact that I said he could, I would be very hard for me to just let go. Well, she made her bed. Like that's, that's what I don't get about it. Well, and maybe too, this is also God being just like you didn't put your faith in me. You guys tried to take this in your own hands. You are going to live with the fact that Abraham has this other son and this other woman right in front of your life. And Abraham has to live with Sarah being angry and upset. And then we'll get to in a minute here, eventually losing him. Yeah. So at this great feast, great banquet, Sarah sees Ishmael laughing, laughing, mocking Isaac, basically making fun of him. And she's like, nah, mm -mm, we ain't doing that. Just looking at it. I feel like Sarah's overreacting a bit. Well, I'm sure she was looking for any type of an excuse at this point to get rid of him. Because like she said, she doesn't. Isaac's the heir. Sorry. I know that Ishmael's your son. But Isaac's not going to share with him. She's basically trying to protect his inheritance. Yeah, that's exactly what she's doing, especially since she knows God's prophecy, basically, that Isaac is going to be a multitude of nations. And so she doesn't want Ishmael to be any part of that. Well, she kind of doesn't want like a Jacob and Esau situation going on either to where... Ishmael's taking over all of his exactly his birthright. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's kind of ironic that Isaac's children do that, huh? Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) So Um, Hagar is cashed out by Sarah. And in Sarah telling Abraham, hey, you got to get rid of her. He's struggling. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. Because let's keep in mind, too, I know we said this repeatedly, but Abraham has publicly acknowledged the fact that Ishmael's his son. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he is now being told by his wife to get rid of them, it's hard for him. Yep. Because he's probably what, I don't know, 16 or so by now. Well, maybe 14. Because he's 14. It was, he was 13 when he got circumcised. And then a year from that time, 14, Isaac 15, was going to be probably. born. So 14, 14 16 years or 14, 15 years old. Yeah. So he's had his dad in his life for 15 years yeah you know yeah and so in his basical basical (laughs) and basically his internal struggle um god appears to him and tells him what his will is he's like listen to your wife so you know a good man desires no more in doubtful cases than to know what his duty is yeah um, and what God would want him to do. So that's kind of how God intervened and in saying, hey, I know you're quarreling with this. This is what you should do. Yeah. So yeah. it was God telling him, you have to cast him out. I know you love him. I will watch out for him. I will bless him. He would become a great nation. Like he's not going to just go off and die in a bush somewhere. But he's not the promised but child. He's not the promised He's child. not the father of the nations that I promised yeah. you. So, you know. A point that I saw that was interesting was that Abraham was called alone 
as should Isaac be. He's not going to be called with his brother. That's why Ishmael had to be sent away. Yeah. That, and he's not, he's not it. Nope. Nope. And we'll see that too later when it comes to Jacob and Esau, yep. Isaac's children. Yep. So, so Abraham agrees with God. He's like, okay, I get it. So he rose early in the morning and took bread and a sack of water and gave it to Hagar and was like, get out. You got to go. You got to go. It's time. And so she um, went basically into the wilderness. It doesn't really say where she was going. No, it just says she, pro- I mean, where would you go? You know, she's Honestly, probably back to Egypt. She was well, Egyptian. I think eventually that's what happens. Yeah. When we see where Ishmael's wife is from. Yeah, true. But yep. I mean, she's how far away is that? I don't know. You know what I mean? To, I mean, while. they're out of everything. They're out of water. Yeah. Like, can you just imagine having to do that? Yeah. Well, watch your child she basically didn't. die. She didn't. She kind of abandoned him. In yeah, a bush. because she couldn't do she it. Couldn't watch it. Like, mm-hmm. so she ran out of water. They ran out of food. And so she sat Ishmael under a bush, even though when reading this, it sounds like he's like a baby. Yeah, it does. But, but he's, he's no, but I mean, think about it. He's probably hasn't had water. No, he's so he's probably, probably delirious out. or passed out. Yeah. So, so, um, God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of the Lord called Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you? Like, what's wrong? Fear not, God has... What do you think's wrong? Fear not, God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift him up. Lift up the boy and hold fast with your hands, for I will make him into a great nation. And then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And that's ultimately what saved him. Yeah, and I think this is interesting, too, how he said... God opened her eyes because God reveals what he wants us to see up until the point where she was basically begging for help. She wasn't able to see the well, Mm -hmm. you know? And again, too, like, I think that shows without a struggle, there's no miracle. Yes. You know, so God, only God can open your eyes. It's exactly Mm -hmm. it. So anyway, um, God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. Why do you think they um why do you think they mentioned that? That he became an expert with the bow? I don't know. You're gonna tell me? No, I was just in Oh, curious. maybe just to show that he was a hunter, that he was a marksman. I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, he lived in the wilderness, and his mother took a wife for him in the land of Egypt. Maybe it has something to do with the rainbow. Maybe. Because he know. promised Abraham that he would make him into a great nation. And it's, oh, oh. I'm stretching. I'm Maybe. stretching there. Makes sense. No. Makes sense. Anyway, so that was kind of like the little end of that. Isaac's born. Sarah cast out Hagar and Ishmael, and then Ishmael grows up and marries a girl from Egypt. So I'm guessing they're in Egypt or around that area. Yeah, and I went to my Bible pointed out that while Ishmael did live away from Abraham, eventually when Abraham died, Ishmael did come back to his funeral. I didn't know that. To see Abraham and I, or yeah. And, and he saw Isaac and it's like, which we'll get to eventually. Yeah. But, I mean, he came back to, I don't know what it would be then, but like the equivalent to us of, of saying our final goodbyes and yeah. seeing his brother and stuff. So I wonder if Hagar outlived Sarah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we don't have that. Random thought. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Know. So moving on kind of to the next section of 21. Probably. She's probably younger than her. I would assume so. She was probably like 15. When she had 
Ishmael. You think that young? Well, when Abraham I'm, was what eighty six? Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, I'm assuming maybe twenties. I'm assuming much younger. Much basically. assuming this has no evidence whatsoever. But I'm assuming she was part of the package in Egypt from Pharaoh the first time Abraham lied. Yeah, Sarah. because we don't hear about a maidservant or anything. No, and but they, she could have been too because they had servants when they originally left yeah what haran yeah or but she wherever. was an egyptian so i mean yeah. she could have traveled but like whatever i think she was part of that original package and i honestly think that she was under like the what is it the um treaty no i don't know mentorship of another housemaid or like a person that was training her to be in this role and then they were like here you're gonna go with them now do your duty or maybe too when sarah was living under because we don't know do we know how long they were there egypt yeah no but anyways maybe she was sarah's maid maid servant there and so when sarah left she just took her with her. had to go with her yeah i don't know, I don't know. anyway it's all speculation yes so <laughs> so we're back to this king abe guy yeah so we're nearly finished. mind you um in chapter 20 abraham is sojourning in the lane of greer so he's still there. Like yeah. Isaac was born in the land of Greer. Like yeah. they're still there. Visitors yeah. of this area. Because they left they parted ways somewhat peacefully, I think. Abe? Yeah. Well, he was still sojourning in the land. So like his his little area, his family, his flock, like everything was there with yeah. him. And he was like, Why did you do this to me? Like, you're free to the land that I own. Like, please make yourself at home. Yeah. Exactly. What he so said. they left unamiable terms yeah yeah so he comes back because abraham has grown again to great wealth like he's very well known in the land of greer um and the king and his what was it like his uh commander of his army Mm -hmm. they're looking for a permanent non-aggression pact yeah because they see that Abraham has become a very formidable presence. Could be a threat. Could be a threat. a threat. And let's keep in mind, too, the government in these days, how did you gain power? By defeating cities. Yep. So Overtaking kingdoms. Exactly. And, more and so they just wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to happen. Exactly. Basically. Yep. Um, so they're like, I find it interesting that they wanted it to be permanent. Like they wanted their offspring to carry on this pact. That they were going to have a non-aggression pact. I think, yeah. A generation later, you see conflict. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, and two, you think about you always just want the best for your children, you know. And so they just didn't want aggression that they would have to deal with. Especially if Abraham and his offspring were growing and and getting, you know, more and more at the rate they were. Yeah. So they made a pact. Um and there's like a bunch of stuff in here about lambs, but they yeah. make this pact. And the first thing they do is argue about a well. <laughs> yes. About whose who's well this was. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it was a big thing because water had to be scarce and it's a water source, you know? Yeah. But whatever. So they were like, who who did they give it to? I think Eblemech, King Abe's men kept it. And then Abraham dug new wells. Mm. I think. Hold on. Let me look. When Abraham reproved 
Abe about a well of water that Abe's servants had seized. Abe said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me. I had not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abe and to the two men, made a covenant. Abraham set seven lambs of the flock apart, and Abe said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven lambs that you've set apart? He said, These seven lambs you will take from my hand this day, maybe a witness for me that I dug this well. So Abraham was like, Look, I erected this well. Your your dudes came and seized it. Um, I'd want it back, please, thanks. Gave him a bunch of lambs, and then they agreed on that and parted ways. Yeah, so I think maybe, too, that was also, because if you notice, it was seven lambs, right? Mm-hmm. What's the number that, that God considers for completeness, Perfect. for perfection? Seven. Perfection. Perfection. <laughs> seven. And so he was giving him seven ewe well, yes. lambs to say, okay, I'm having the wall back. This is completed. It's finished. Mwah, chef's kiss perfection yes. our treaty our pact is boom is in place. done yes yep. um and that brings us to the end of of 21 of our readings today yes before we go into our favorite verse did you have anything else or any other points that you wanted to make um no that was it um, next week's gonna be a good one is it yes. i think it's gonna be a good one so, so I, yeah I think our favorite verse was Genesis chapter 20, verse six. Mm -hmm. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Yes. It just shows that God will intervene for you when it's necessary. Absolutely. And even if you don't know it. He's there and intervening for you all the time. And he loves you. Yes. So on the next episode, we will be discussing Genesis chapters 22 through 24. So if you wanted to do the reading beforehand and join us on the next episode, please do. The next episode will be up next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So with that, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed the time we've spent in God's Word, and we hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm